0: chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. It's Colossians 3, verses 8 through 13. That can be found on page 1047 in the Bibles placed in the pews. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do.
1: Good morning. It is good to be together this morning. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here and we want to be an encouragement to you. It's nice that summer is winding down. It's been a great summer. Several of our kids are are back in school. Others uh, have started, especially those in college, have just started this week or next week. And uh, we want to be mindful of all of our young people. We want them to go with God. Uh, We want them to never make this world their home, but let this be a journey where the destination uh, is heaven. And and we're also mindful of you, parents. We know that many of you are undergoing a a transition, also, and that's not always easy. And uh, we're thankful that we can walk together through uh, all of this, and we give God the glory. Uh, for the blessing and the many blessings that he gives us in our life. As we think about family, we want to remind you that family day and there are postcards all throughout the four-year that you can pick up to give to your family members and remind them or maybe uh, you want to invite someone uh, just because of the topic of family that you believe that they would appreciate a study that day of family and so family day will be September 25th so it's still several weeks away but we want you to be marking that and also be mindful about who... Uh, you can invite part of that. We're glad to also be able to announce to you that our directories are in, and we'll be passing those out tonight. And uh, if you're unable to be here tonight, we'll let you know next week how you can pick that up sometime next week. Uh, But tonight, we'll begin making the directories available, and uh, they will be passed out in the room behind the library, behind the elevator in the library, that room there tonight. And and so each family uh, can stop by and pick up one of those directories for each family, and uh, we're thankful that they're here, and we're thankful uh, more than anything what it represents to think that that's our family, that's our, our Christian family, and we want to. Uh, uh, we are thankful for that and hope that this will be a good tool to help us stay in touch with each other and and know each other better. Also, as we think about simple kindness, uh, it is wonderful to think about the many hundreds and hundreds of good deeds that have taken place this week, and I'm sure several of you have gone online, I was reading last night, and one individual uh, stated several things that they tried to do to give out all of their cards this past week. And it was amazing. One of the unique things was this individual's uh, at a workplace where somebody has to be on call 24 hours a day. And so this individual took and, and they were on call for all of their coworkers all week. Uh, they, they took everybody's shift all week. And several other things that they mentioned uh, that they were doing. And then another was really honest and I think reflects a lot of what many of us deal with. And that individual said, I want to at least by Sunday to have one kindness card passed out. said, the kindness part, doing the kindness deed is easy. It's giving the card that's hard. And uh, it, it really is. It's a transition of thought to say, I'm not going to take the credit for this. Uh, but, but I'm glad to give God the credit, to give God the glory for this. And, and I want you to know this is all about God. It's not about me. And it's definitely a growth process, and it's a stretch of comfort. And, uh, and, and we don't want to become pharisaical. There's nowhere in the Bible that says you have to give a kindness card. But the principles both are there. It's not an option for Christians. We must be kind. And it's not an option for Christians. Uh, we're to give God the glory for that. And so this is just one way that's a very good way uh, to give God the glory in that. Of course, we want to emphasize kindness all year long. We want to figure out ways in our day-to-day life uh, to give that kindness uh, to others and give God the glory. You know, the word icon has become a very, very common and even uh, just a household word. Uh, even though it's been very active in the English language since the 1500s or 1600s, it was really in 1982 when it first began to be used as a computer term that it seemed to become a very common word uh, among us in, in, of course, the English language, but especially in the U.S. For example, if, if I show you uh, the word you and then tube with the word tube with a red background, you don't, you don't sit and wonder... What is that about? You know that that is a link to where you can see many videos. When you see a capitalized W in, in blue with a white background at a glance, you know that's a Word document. Or if you see the lowercase C e with a sphere around it, you know this Internet Explorer. But, you know, if you really wanted to catch me there, you'd say, Preacher, that's not right. It's not right, is it? That, those are only icons That's not Internet Explorer. That's a resemblance. That's a likeness of Internet Explorer that is a shortcut. It's a hyperlink to say, if you click here, I can get you to Internet Explorer. If you click on this icon, this icon is not really the Word document, but I can quickly take you to the Word document. In other words, the icon is an image of, it's a likeness of, it's a resemblance to, to get us to what is real. What is the Word document? Where is it? How can I get there? Here's a shortcut today. I want you to see two things from the Word of God, and it's beautiful. And, and what we're going to look at... I promise you, we're only looking at the surface. You can trail this deep into the Scriptures, and you can see this over and over, Scripture after Scripture. I'd like to emphasize it this way. I'd like for you to see today, there's two things that we need to see from the Scriptures. And this is elementary, but if we can understand it and live it, it will make all the difference in our life. I want you to imagine that there is a carpenter that you know well, and that carpenter makes furniture. And maybe you look at his design and creation of his furniture and you say, oh, I would love to have my house filled with his furniture. He does the best work. It's so beautiful. It's so durable. And, And so you look at a piece of furniture and you say, I recognize that. That's my buddy's work. You can tell. He's the one that makes furniture like that. Now, even though you can recognize his creation, is his creation like him? That's kind of odd to say about furniture, isn't it? But really, in other words, do you say, wow, that looks just like him? Let's see what the Bible teaches us about God making us and how whether we are like him or not, he made us. But now what if that same friend of yours had a son? And you know how we sometimes use a, a slang expression to say he's a spitting image of? What if, what if that little guy, four or five years old, walks, walks around and, and you see him walk around and you say, if I didn't even know who his daddy was, just by watching him walk, I would know who his daddy is. Why? He walks just like, he talks just like him. He laughs like him. He's got his personality. What are you saying there? Now you're saying this man, this man has someone who is after his image, looks a lot like him, acts a lot like him. You see, this little fellow is not just a piece of furniture that's been made, but now there's a likeness there. This morning, God is trying to tell us from the beginning of the Scriptures where we came from and urging us to be made a second time so that now that we're not only His creation, but that we're also His image. But there's also another way that image is used just to say creation. And so I want us to take the time this morning to see that it's used two different ways, in an Old and New Testament, and there's two meanings, and both are significant. Let's drop back, if you will, to Genesis, the first chapter. In Genesis, the first chapter, you remember verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then we, He tells us about creation. And look here in verse 27, notice the word image. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him, male and female, He created them. There is something about the physical makeup of man that He houses a soul that He is after the image of His Creator. For example, dogs, cats, cows, horses, they were all made by God also, but they were not made after His image When we go to the second chapter in verse 7, we see what makes us after his image. Look there where it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Well, you say a dog is a living being, but not like this. This living being has the breath of life. Man has a living soul that has been instilled in him. And so therefore, man is like God. He will live throughout this earth, and then when the soul is through with that body, man will live into eternity as God is not bound by time. Man is given an existence that's not bound by time either. Now, that's not true of the animals. So what's the point? The point is, we are God's creation. And even within our physical aspect as mankind, we reflect an aspect of God in the eternal existence that we will have after this life. And when we lose sight of that and we do not know who God is, and be turning, if you will, to Romans, the first chapter, and be listening to this transitional thought here. When we lose sight of who God is, we always trail similar paths. For example, and I don't want you to think that I'm saying it's exactly alike. I just want to give you two parallel thoughts here of an illustration. You know, the PETA organization, the idea of, hey, let's stand up and and, and let's not let animals be abused. That's a very good thing. But now what happens when animals get to be raised to an extreme that God has not raised them? What's going to happen there? What will always happen there will be at the same time, God will be lowered. Listen, I can't raise creation beyond what creation ought to be raised without lowering God down to where God ought not be. And so what has happened within this organization? Just yesterday on MSN.com, now their, their latest campaign ad is going to be a porn site. Now isn't that interesting? What's happening here? Let's raise the worth or the value or the estimation of animals to where they're becoming very similar to a type of God, lowercase g, and at the same time, let's get off into immorality. What happened in Romans, the first chapter? We don't have time to study this, but if you're not familiar with it, you ought to study the rest of Romans 1, beginning verse 18, 19, 20 through there. You know what happens? They lowered God. They raised up their own gods like their animals except they made them into idols and then that trailed them right into homosexuality why because when we lose our value and our estimation of who god truly is we always esteem creation where it should not be and we misuse the sexual aspect that god created us that's been that way forever And so there may be on one hand where you say, I am so shocked that Peter's doing that. If their organization is all about animals, why are they getting into porn? It's no surprise. That's the way idolatry always goes. And so now back to this. What if we can keep God where he should be? How are we going to view ourselves? Look, if you will, in the first chapter in verse 20. For since the creation of the world... See, So we're going back, since the creation of the world, His invisible, this is God's invisible attributes are clearly seen. How are you going to see something that's invisible? Well, we're going to see what was made. It's going to be understood by the things that are made. Now that, those words right there, things that are made, that's one word in the Greek. It's talking about things that are fabricated, things that are produced. In other words, we can look at what God makes, what God produces, and when we do that, we can see the invisible attributes of God. Like what? Well, look at the next phrase. We can see His eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Someone says, I don't see how we can know that God is eternal. I don't see how we can know that that God is deity. We can know that if we will just look at the things that are made. Everything with design has to have a designer. And so when we look at creation, it would require that deity be able to make something as great as the universe and as complex as man and the reproduction system and all the other aspects of design. DNA, the eye, these things demand great intelligence in design greater than mankind. Somebody says, how do you know greater than mankind? Because man still can't do it. As long as man is on this earth, if man is on this earth for for 10,000 years, man will never make an eye. Man will never place life in a seed. We look at lumber and we say, look what a man has made from this wood. Why doesn't a man make a tree? Because man is not deity. Only God can make the things that God makes. That proves deity. If there is no God and man did this, okay, man, just make your own tree. Make your own squirrel. Make your own, let's simplify it, single cell. Just make one living single cell from nothing. And man can't do it. The invisible Attributes of God are clearly seen. In other words, what if we had a crime scene and we said, we need to to get the fingerprints, maybe we can prove that the criminal was in this room and then identify who is the criminal. Well, what if if you looked and looked and you could find no fingerprints? Now you say, "I, I still believe he was in here, but he just didn't leave any signs. You know what God did? God made the world and he left his fingerprints everywhere. We are intentionally blinding ourselves if we do not see the fingerprints of God around us. If you want to do a good exercise this week in addition to your kindness, I challenge you at the end of every day to ask yourself, where did I see God today? And if you have to really stop and think for 10 minutes where you saw God, This is an exercise you need to do for the next month, maybe the next year. Because, friends, all about us, we see the attributes of God through the fingerprints that He leaves. But now this, this, I told you when when I said the things that are made, that's one Greek word. This Greek word is only in the Bible twice. I'd like for you to see the second time that it's used. Look at Ephesians, the second chapter. In Ephesians, the second chapter, this is really, really neat in that this one word is only used twice and it's used to describe two different types of fabricating that God wants to do in our life. In other words, God wants to make us. He's already made us once physically. But now we look at the second chapter in verse 1 and we find out that we were dead in the trespasses of our sins. We walk the course of the world, verse 2. And then in verse 4, but God, God did something for us. He was rich, not lower class, not middle class. He was rich in mercy that He offered to us. He was great in love. Not a little measure of love, but great love that he loved us. And in verse 5 speaks of the grace that we have been saved. So we look at his rich mercy, we look at his great love, and we look at his saving grace. In other words, without that, we don't have any hopes of being made twice. We've already been made once. He wants to make us twice. What does he want to do? Look at verse 10. And by the way, because of all that he's done, we can't boast that we saved ourselves. And so now look at verse 10. Verse 10. For we are his, here's the word, workmanship. In other words, now he's talking about the spiritual life. He's talking about us being saved. Us being saved is the fabrication, if you will. It is the workmanship, just like this is the workmanship of somebody your salvation is the workmanship of somebody other than yourself if in fact you are saved. Now notice, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Here's the purpose. Four good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So now we have this new life. And this new life is to be a reflection of the one who made us. We have a few wonderful architects in this congregation. They would know much better than probably the rest of us about Frank Lloyd Wright. He's considered one of the greatest American architects, born in the mid to late 1800s and, and died in the mid 1900s. And his work, he either was the developer, uh, the, the one who designed these from the very beginning, or at least the one who... who uh, if you will perfected them and made certain styles popular and famous even to this day people look at certain works of architecture and say that's a right home right there and and so like here's an organic uh, architecture piece of work that he did in Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm thinking that might have been in the 1930s. When we look at the next slide, we see the Prairie style, that, that he was the leader in developing this, and even today, there's reflections in architecture of his work that people look at it and say, well, that's like Wright's work in the Prairie style, or the Usonian style, which this particular house is, is still standing in Florence, Alabama, and it's been dedicated as a museum to his great work. And we see in Fifth Avenue in New York City uh, a museum that he designed to to, uh, ride an elevator to the top and you walk around looking at the artwork and, and you're slowly descending as you walk. And when you finish, you've ended up on ground level. The brilliance of this man when it comes to architecture was respected as he wrote 20 books as he lectured all over America and all over Europe. Over a 1,000 projects he put to paper and over 500 of them came into real life structures. He has had a tremendous impact. So people say, that is a right structure. Who are you? Can it be said, that's an individual that is a fabrication, a structure of Jesus Christ? Look to the text that was read and let's go to Colossians and let's start bringing this lesson all together here. Look with me at Colossians, the third chapter. In Colossians, the third chapter, we read several verses. And if we would have read verse 1, he's talking about if, verse 1, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. And I want you to imagine on this side of the baptismal pool is a man who is dead in sin and their life has not reflected Jesus Body and soul, they've been created by Jesus, but their life is not a reflection of the great architect. And so this individual says, I want to be saved. I want my life to reflect my Lord. And so this individual repents of sins and confesses that Jesus Christ is Son of God. And they are immersed. Now I want you to imagine, they are risen now. Now they're saved. Their sins are washed away. But now... They are an image of Jesus, or at least they're supposed to be. Notice how he says this, again, just in verse 10, that we could study this whole paragraph reveals this, but we don't have time. Look at verse 10. And have put on the new man. See, there's a new creation who is renewed in knowledge. Remember Romans 12 and 2? Don't let the world build you. Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Metamorphosis, be transformed. In other words, God will transform you. Christ will transform you. Romans twelve two. be not conformed to this world, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so here he talks about that knowledge. And he says, according to what? The image of him who created him. And so now, think of this instead of being a piece of furniture, think of this being a person. And someone says, who made this person? They said, Christ made this person. But Christ wants to make this person again so that their life reflects the image of Christ. Think about the people that are in the depths of the world today. They are made by God, but their life does not reflect the image of the one who made them. And so the word image, as we look at this next slide, if, if I were to tell you, let's, let's read Greek this morning, most of us, starting right here, would say, I can't read Greek. But you know what? I bet we recognize this Greek word. You know what the Greek word for image is? Icon. Isn't that interesting? That's the Greek for image. Icon. The word we use today in English literally came from the Greek. We are to be an icon. We are to be a resemblance of, a representation of. It literally could even mean statue. Where where you look at a statue and say, Look, that is a statue of whoever it is. You fill in the blank. You you know, you recognize. Will somebody look at you and say, Well, that's a statue of Jesus. In other words, that's a living presence of Jesus. You go to them, they can help you find Jesus. They're an icon. They're a resemblance of. They live it. They're connected to. Now, you know it's hard for me to go to a passage and not elaborate. But I'm telling you, I want to try my best to do this. But if you will really wake up, I want to connect about five passages here without hardly any elaboration. And let me tell you what I want you to imagine as you see this. I want you to imagine the sun, the moon, and let the moon be you, and the earth. You remember when you were a child, the first time you learned in science class or somebody older than you told you that that the moon was really just a reflection? I didn't buy that the first time somebody told me that. I lived out in the country where the moon was almost bright as the sun. You know what I'm saying? And I just couldn't believe. I was like, you're telling me I just couldn't believe it. Now I want you to imagine the kind of kindness that God wants us to express. You don't have it on your own. You don't have it. But the question is, are you a brilliant example of it? Because you're the image of Him. Let's trail about four passages here. I'm going to start in Nehemiah. In Nehemiah, the ninth chapter, where does this come from? You remember the, the wall was built, the people got together and they read and they cried because they realized that they did not know God, they did not know His Word. And so then in the ninth chapter, that was the eighth chapter, in the ninth chapter they began to confess their sins. See, I told you it's hard for me not to elaborate. Okay, look at verse 17. They refused to obey and they were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them. But they hardened their necks in their rebellion. They appointed a leader to return to their bondage. Notice this. But you are God, ready to pardon. Okay, pause there. You are God. He's going to give a description of God. Who is God? And notice what's said. You are God. Here's who God is. He is one who is ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness and did not forsake them. Our God, that we're to be after His image, it's a decision we have to make. Are we going to allow God to make us the second time? If so, He is abundant. He is overflowing with kindness. And His kindness, notice here, is oftentimes linked to mercy and to grace and to generosity. Now, let's go to Uh, Titus the third chapter and see how this kindness was actually sent to us. In Titus three and verse four, he says, but when the kindness and the love of God, our savior toward man appeared, do what? Kindness appeared. You realize what he's doing in this text? He's literally talking about Jesus coming to this earth and he calls Jesus kindness. Jesus coming to this earth was kindness. Why? Because it was a gracious and merciful gift that was given to mankind. Now, if we accept that and allow God to change our life, and now we become an image of Him, what are we going to produce? If you want an orange, remember back two years ago we studied this series? If you want an orange, can you sit down with orange construction paper and make an orange? Or you have to go back to the, the, the uh, tree that can produce the fruit of an orange? Well, let's read about the fruit of the Spirit. You know them, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness. So if we're going to be able to produce that fruit, we have to first receive it from God. That's why, like 1 Corinthians 13 and 4, we would never do this on our own. It's only if we are with God. Love suffers long and is kind. Now back to the text that was read this morning. Look at verse 12, Colossians 3 and 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on... See, now that we're going to be after His image, there are things that we're going to put off. That was repentance. Now that we're baptized into Christ, there's things that we put on. And what's it going to be? Tender mercies. Notice how mercies and kindness is oftentimes side by side. Tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, etc. And when we go to the next slide... We see the verses prior to this in the third chapter, verse 8, 9, and 10. Look down at the end there, verse 10. Put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. How can you and I go out this week and not just do kind, small deeds, but how can we show kindness to people that do not even deserve it? That's what the kindness of God is related to in addition to the kind, simple deeds. It's also related to people that don't deserve it. That's why it's tied to mercy. That's why it's tied to graciousness. It is very benevolent. On the next slide here, you see the the definition that we're working off of this month as we study this. It's caring about others enough to show them benevolence, gentleness, graciousness, and generosity. And it's an action. It's not a thought. And God is our example. So what did we learn today? I may not want people to click on me, but I should be an icon that can lead them to Christ. Kindness is God's style. Think about architecture. Kindness is God's style. So if I have been made twice by him, first physically, everybody has, but the question is, will we let him make us spiritually? Others will see his kindness in me. And finally, Jesus coming to save us is a part of God's kindness. Therefore, I should be kind to people who don't deserve it. Why don't you, for the benefit of all of us, why don't you go out this week and do something for somebody that has hurt you? And why don't you do it out of the pure motive of God was good and kind to you when you didn't deserve it? Why don't you post it online and let us know how it goes in an anonymous way? Because I assure you, It'd be a powerful example for all of us because most of us do real good of that little clean stuff of being kind when it's somebody we don't know or somebody we like. But real kindness of God is when we do good for somebody that doesn't deserve it. And aren't you glad we can extend the invitation with that because there's not any of us deserves to be saved. Thank God He sent His kindness. He sent His Son. And this morning, if you've never been baptized into Christ, why not be created a second time? Maybe you've already begun that journey with the Lord the second time, but you've lost the way, and isn't it wonderful that He welcomes us back time and time again? Listen, God's not so concerned with everything you've done in the past. He wants to forgive you, forget it, and know what you're going to do today. in the future. The truth is He wants you with Him for an eternity. Does your life look like God? If not, let's make sure we leave here with that being more true than it's ever been. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.